special casting preview starting in 10. Hello and welcome to a special side part Nevers podcast. We were going to wait for next week, but we just couldn't keep a hold of our hype because today we got 12, not one, not five, but freaking 12 casting announcements and they're all amazing. So we're going to we're going to skip all pretense. We're going to stop pretending we're anything <laughs> other than fans right now and just jump straight into the amazing meaty goodness of these castings. First off, and a surprise to absolutely no one, especially the hosts of this podcast who've mentioned her name about 3 times, Olivia Williams has been cast in the Nevers. Yes! And Yay. it sounds like she's got an awesome role. Yay! <laughs> Olivia will be playing Lavinia Bidlow, a rich lady of means who owns an orphanage where the touched happen to live. This includes Amalia and many of her friends. Described as stern, strong-willed and incredibly smart, I'm going to take a wild guess here and say she'll be playing the sort of giles mentor type character of the show our fans may recognize her name olivia williams because she's most known to us weed knights as adele dewitt from dollhouse she also was recently in counterpart alongside the amazing jk simmons who i hope she drags onto this show so gina <laughs> are you as hyped as i am right now okay so i mentioned this in previous podcast episodes but unfortunately i haven't finished dollhouse however i remember watching i think i watched like the half of the first season and i don't know why and i've never said this about anyone else in the weed inverse when it comes to acting but i always told my sister and my friend josh Olivia Williams is phenomenal and she needs to work with Joss Whedon again. I don't know why I said that because um, I feel that way about everybody, but her specifically, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's because I wanted the entire world to know who she is and I knew he was going into like Avenger stuff, but like I am so happy because she's amazing and anyone who hasn't seen Dollhouse A will hopefully watch it now, but B, yeah, the whole world needs to know who she is. So They really, really do. And I think this will hopefully shoot her to stardom where everyone will understand how amazing she is. Yes. And so what are your thoughts on the actual character? Yeah, I, a thing that I love about Joss's worlds and his shows is that there's usually a central location where everyone can kind of group together and either try to like figure out how to defeat the big bad or try to figure out the mystery or whatever's going on. Even in Avengers, there is like, you know, the helicarrier. Right. So, yeah. so I love this idea that there's an orphanage. So I'm almost imagining this like mansion or something or a building. Definitely. You know, and that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he's described as like a woman of means, very rich. I'm just thinking this huge, imposing, quite kind of, Tim Burton-esque, Wayne Manor, big steeple, spikes, gate, gargoyles, yes. the whole nine yards. It's going to be amazing. 
it kind of reminds me of the X Mansion a little bit. Um, but exactly, yeah. But but there's something really cool about it being like a house with like rooms and like I don't know. Maybe that's another reason why I love the X Men so much. Like if 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 a character's having a problem and they're locked in their room or something, all the characters have to try to figure out a way in. Like there's just so much drama mm. you could even have just in that location. And I'm sure there's not going to be like episodes just involved there. Maybe there will be, but I just love. I don't know. I love a house where everyone lives. That that's just so. There's going to be just so much conflict just in that. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if the orphanage was used as their home base in the same way that kind of the library in Buffy or the hotel in Angel was used. Briefly, just stop in, get the plan, go out. But then I can almost tell now, putting money on it, there's going to be at least one episode 100% based inside the orphanage, and it's going to be amazing. Yes, hopefully... It's going to be a deep character-driven episode that's going to be awesome. Yeah, hopefully it's the bottle episode where, like, they can't leave for whatever reason, you know? Yes. That'd be awesome. Hopefully, yeah, like, go really lean into the idea and have, like, in a, a massive storm or something. Yes. <laughs> Th- that'd be really cool. One thing, they tried to they tried to sneak it past us here. I'm, I'm, maybe I just missed it before, but I believe this is the first reference to... Uh, the, the time we've actually been given a name for the people within the show yes. that have powers. We've been referring to up until now as the Nevers because, I mean, that's the title. But now we have the official name, The Touched. Yes. Very creepy. Very cool. Excellent choice. Yes. And, and in a weird way, I kind of love that they have two names now in a way. Like, mm. are they referred to the Nevers within themselves, or are they just the touched? Like, it's actually really fascinating that we have two names. I think it's going to be a bit like kind of mutants versus X-Men, to use that uh, exactly. the Marvel reference we used earlier. <laughs> I have a feeling the Nevers is going to be the specific group. Amalia True and her crew will be the Nevers. But then the touched is a generalized term for people with powers. Yeah, I love that. What this says to me, plus a few of the later characters, is there's going to be people with powers that aren't members of the group. Right. So we get evil-powered people. Yes. Oh, so cool. <laughs> and we're, and and we're just interesting in first, to note. We're just in the first description, guys. <laughs> I know. There's 11 more to come. <laughs> you lucky people. <laughs> interesting to note... We, um, Olivia Williams, fantastic. Breached a, a bit out of character for Joss. The only Whedon alumni in the announced cast. Yeah. From here on in, we are entering uncharted territory. <laughs> Unless you've watched English TV in the past 10 years, in which case you will recognize quite a few of the names on this list. But for a Whedon fan, these are all new names. And jumping into that first... Well, this this one's not quite new. Anyone that's been to our website, and I've seen the read count, quite a few of you have, will recognize this next name. James Norton. We announced him yesterday because we're just that cool. Yep. But now we have actual details. He will be playing Hugo Swan, described as a pansexual posh boy whose charm has about five years left on its lease. He runs a club with a side business in blackmail. Yes. 
He's apparently obsessed with the touched, which sounds a little bit gross when I say it just like that, but not how I meant it. He's obsessed with, pe with powered people. Yeah, I can see that going very badly. An obsession with powered people and you make your business through blackmail. Not sure he's going to survive season one. <laughs> but I, I love it because is, is he a villain? Is he kind of a villain and a hero? Is he kind of tiptoeing that line and he has to decide which way to go? Either either one. I have a distinct suspicion he's that the, 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 uh, the line between hero and villain is going to be rather blurred in this particular show. Obviously, Amalia and her friends will be heroes. There's a few people further down the thing who are quite clearly villains. But there's going to be a large middle ground of people that are just sort of trying to get by. And I have a distinct suspicion he's one of them. Just to direct for you. Uh, James Walton, you may recognise him. He was in Grantchester recently, as well as McMafia, and will soon be in the upcoming adaption of Little Women. Oh, nice. But more importantly, for everyone else, he was the voice of Cole in Dragon Age Inquisition, in which he was brilliant, and the game was awesome, despite what everyone says. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> um, yeah. He was also in War and Peace, which I've always wanted to watch, because it also stars Paul Dano and Lily James, and I love them. And I only wanted to yes. watch it for them, but he's apparently the other main character, so now I am definitely giving that a watch. <laughs> yeah, I heard very good things about that, but just it, it kind of slipped my list, and I have no idea why. Right. I think I missed the first episode, and it wasn't on catch-up yet. Uh. And by the time I remembered to watch it on catch-up, I'd forgotten that it was on, so I just... But yeah, now that I know I'm going to be seeing him quite a lot quite soon, I will definitely catch up on that. Amazing. And and then I have to mention this part of his description. A pansexual posh boy. Pansexual. Like, we talked about this in a previous episode or a few times, actually, how there needs to be more representation on television and hopefully the Nevers can give that to us. And something that's interesting about Joss Whedon's work that always kind of made me think is there's been like lesbian characters but not a lot of out men that like men um huh. you know <laughs> and not that it bothered that's me you mentioned it right and, and it, yeah, it didn't bother me too much that. it just didn't feel like there was a balance so the fact that there's a man who also likes men right off the yeah. bat is is pretty that's an cool excellent point I'm glad he's done that then. Right. <laughs> and the fact he's gone, he's just jumped right into the deep end and gone for pansexual. Yes. Just skip everything else. Give me all of the everything. Everything. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so which is interesting. Like, since this is a sci fi show, will there be aliens that he likes? Like, it's it's limitless. And and again. Go a bit Captain Jack on the whole situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just think. Um, there needs to be more representation of different types of sexuality and pansexual is still such a, a phrase that I feel like some people don't even know what it is. So it's actually very inspiring mm. to see that on all these articles think, today, you know, I think two, two kind of identities that aren't mentioned enough are pansexual and asexual. Yes. I'm quite glad Pat James Hugo Swan will be pansexual and, uh, my, one of my favorite TV shows ever, BoJack yes, Horseman. Yes, oh my god, BoJack, very, yes, sorry. <laughs> had, a, had an amazing arc about yes. Todd realizing he was asexual. I thought it was quite well done until the last season when it got a bit silly. That was a silly, that well. was a silly episode, but uh, 
I still love it. It, it got it out there, which is like credit credit where it's due. Yes. So I'm I'm glad that Joss is then covering the almost exact opposite yes. angle. Yes, which is important with a pansexual character. It is <laughs> representation is important. Yes. Okay, so I am very excited to see where they go with that character. Next up is Tom Riley, who is playing Augustus Augie Bidlow. If they say it's pronounced Orgy, I am going to be very annoyed. Described as a sweet, disarming nerd and the younger brother of Lavinia, the uh, orphanage owner, he is... I'm, I'm getting very Zander vibes from him. I Just a description of a that. sweet, disarming nerd. And also, apparently, he's best friends with Norton's character, Hugo. He finds the touched unnerving, but is drawn to them due to his infatuation with Penance Adair, who we'll be meeting later. He's best known for being in Da Vinci's Demons, which is a show I really, really wanted to watch, but just couldn't seem to find it legally anywhere in Britain. <laughs> he also had one very notable appearance during Capaldi's Doctor Who era, where he played Robin of Loxley in quite possibly one of the worst episodes of Aww. Doctor Who ever, <laughs> Robots of Sherwood, which was an absolute car crash of an episode. Ooh. But he was great in it. Okay. He was a very believable, dashing, swashbuckly Robin. So it's not his fault that the writing for that season was dreadful. <laughs> just, just terrible. Was that... But that's that's a story for another time. Was that Stephen Moffat? He was great, so... Was that his last was, season, yes. Stephen Moffat? I, either his last or his penultimate. Okay. Either way, it was about two seasons longer than he should have stayed. Right. <laughs> yeah, not a Moffat fan. Yeah, so I think that's... I think he's going to be definitely... I can see him being the kind of audience insert character yes definitely like sweet disarming nerd probably describes a good 60 percent of win's viewer base yes not particularly like, he finds everything he's surrounded by a bit unnerving a bit unsettling but he's drawn in constantly to all this nonsense by his friends and his obsession with the lady he's you know obsessed with and so I apologize because this could go completely the opposite way. But when I found out he's also best friends with Hugo and Hugo could like anybody, um, I'm hoping for maybe like a small little love triangle between him and Miss Adair and Hugo. But again, that could be totally oh. me just reading way too much into it. But hey. That is a very Whedon thing to do, though. Right? Like, Augie's the kind of oh, I like her so much, but I don't want to do anything. And then Hugo's the one just like, hey there, sexy. Want to go do something naughty? <laughs> right. And then he's and... all like, oh, why can't I be like that? <laughs> and Hugo could like both of them, which is awesome. Um, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> but then I've got to say, it's one thing Whedon does fall back on quite a lot, and it is just a plot arc which does annoy me quite a lot. The whole kind of, oh, we've been friends since childhood, but I'm secretly in love with you. Right, right. It's so played out. I kind of hope they don't take that route just because it's been done so many times to now. To be fair, maybe Hugo and Augie like aren't weren't friends with their kids. Maybe they just met recently. You know? Yeah, but <laughs> splitting hairs. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. I could I be suppose, totally, totally off and this is just wishful thinking. But I, mean, I can definitely see some kind of love triangle occurring between 
sort of at least two or three, maybe four of the characters. Right. <laughs> Just because, I mean, it is an easy way to fill up screen time. So I've got to say, one of, for me, one of the almost note perfect love triangles in fiction history was the one from Angel, yes. uh, Gunn, Fred, yes. and Wesley. Oh. So brilliantly done. So good. <laughs> and then speaking of potential members of Love Triangles, <laughs> the next character on the list, Anne Skelly. Great name. She will be playing Penance Adair. Even cooler name. Right. Best friend of Amalia True, the main character we met a very long time ago, and the first recruit to the Nevers, a devout yet heretically progressive Irish girl, Penance has a genius for invention. So I'm guessing she'll be our tech expert, sort of Haley style character that, like, that I mentioned in the second blog. Uh, Anne Skelly has been in Vikings recently, which is an awesome show, and she was great in it. Doesn't have as large a portfolio as some of the other actors in this show, but what she lacks in quantity, she more than makes up for in quality. So I have a distinct suspicion she is going to be one of the standout stars in the show. Yeah, um, I already love her character as well. Some of the other description is like, she's delighted by her power and her default is love and acceptance, mm. but she's firm in her moral sense and will be guided by what's right over what's expedient every time. Um, first of That's all, a great line. Yeah, I love these character descriptions. Like usually when new shows are mm. announced... Um, they either just announce the cast or they give like a one sentence description, but you can already tell all of these characters are so complex and like we already know their mm. values and what they're good at. And that's incredible. Just the fact that off reading like a paragraph on each one, we're always like, oh yeah, I like that one. They're going to be really friends with this person. And I really like this person. I think they're going to be my favorites. Like, we know nothing of these characters, yet they already feel like fully fleshed out characters they don't feel like paragraph descriptions they feel like people exactly and that's without even seeing them moving like it's ridiculous yeah it's, it's insane and yeah it, it's i i don't know why well i guess i do know why but i love when women <laughs> are good at techie kind of stuff so i love that she's an inventor so that's one way mm. she's definitely going to help this group I'm very much hoping we get giant steampunk monstrosities. Yes. Because I love them. I love them so much. Yes. It has to happen. I also really like the the, the, what's the last line in her description that she chooses what's right over what's expedient. I have a distinct suspicion that's going to cause some arguments later on with a few of the characters a little bit down the line. And that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, again, I could totally be wrong, but it seems like... She's very different than Amalia, so mm. they might clash in that sense. I think it's going to be one of those kind of, like, like they'll be each one of their little kind of separate circles. Be like, but why are you friends with that person? Right. It's like, because they're great. Like, they kind of, they complement each other in that they're such opposites. They're kind of yin and yang. Exactly. Which I think makes for a great pairing. Yes. So I'm very, very excited to see. I also like the description, devout yet heretically progressive. Just, the phrase heretically progressive is fantastic. Right? This is I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was Joss that wrote that. Oh, yeah. 
totally. So I remember I saw the funniest thing. It was an interview a while ago he did in a magazine, and he someone asked him just like off the cuff, like, "Oh, who do you think would win in a fight, Buffy or Black Widow?" And mm-hmm. anyone else would have been like, "Oh yeah, I think you know, Widow's got the skill, Buffy's got the strength, but I think Buffy would win." And he was like, "Yeah, you know what?" And just just reeled off. I don't know. I don't know if he took time to go and write, but it, from the way the interview was written, it seemed like he just kind of cracked out this amazing kind of two paragraph story about a fight between the two of them and how it would play out it's like how the hell do you just come up with that right like on the spot i'm in awe of that yeah it was was a great little story you could see it being like a little kind of 10 minutes like a fan film and it would be fantastic right and he just knocked it up in a second genius like he didn't even have to outline it he just said it (laughs) really can't wait to see what we can do with these characters this one this next character is one i think is going to be very very fun he's gonna be another fan favorite ben chaplin his character is described as a big gruff and deeply moral he's detective mundy who trusts no one least of all himself has a bit of a drink problem and quite the temper ben chaplin has previously appeared in the quite quickly forgotten legend of tarzan which came out and then no one watched so it went away but he also starred in the criminally underrated british drama mad dogs kind of comedy drama fantastic show like if you can get a hold of that and watch it to prepare yourself for this because i think it's going to be a he's like a very good very good character i have a distinct suspicion it'll be that age-old story where he's a he's a police officer he's going to be investigating these strange occurrences he'll find the touched become and then like be like oh what, what are these people with powers what the hell's going on and then he'll become kind of slowly he'll become their ally their man on the inside kind of covering up their tracks when they do things that maybe are moral but not legal and protecting them from the powers that be that will inevitably be baying for their blood yeah, and that's such a fascinating, again, a fascinating conflict that here's someone that is obviously a police officer, but then he comes in contact with these people that have powers. And mm. what does that do to him? Because watch, he could he could hate them because he wants to be the person that, you know, saves the day or he works with them or it could be a journey to reach that. So, yeah, it, it's great that it could go either way. And mm. I, I don't know why I love the concept of uh, police officers in Victorian era. I mean, it's probably because of Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> I assume so, yeah. You know, I just love that, like, aesthetic. And yeah, especially back in those times, like, they don't have the same resources that we do today. So it, it's more fun mm. to follow police officers then than now, in my opinion. Now it's too easy. Mm. Yeah. And they, they stress that he's a detective. So I'm really seeing him, like... Yeah running the clues big wall stuff pinned to it bits of string he's gonna be going like all in to try and track down these strange occurrences and then he'll stumble on the nevers probably find the orphanage and be like what the hell's going on here yeah. i love it and, i'm very excited and for that i love character. that in his character description it says deeply moral yet he drinks and is violent that's really interesting mm. too it's a, a very interesting duality that i think yeah. is going to make him a very popular, either, either a very popular or very unpopular character. 
Yes. <laughs> I can't see people. Okay, I'm going to see. I see people having very strong opinions on him, and it's all going to depend on how he reacts when he eventually tracks down the Nevers. He's either going to be their greatest ally or possibly their worst foe. Although I have a distinct suspicion that their actual worst foe and potentially the big bad of season one is this next character. Pip Torrens has the uh, dubious honour of being the only person that comes up on IMDb when you type in Pip. But he will be playing Lord Masson, described as a staunch, unflappable and merciless in his defence of the British Empire. A former general, now peer. Just everything about that says, I am in power. I like being in power. I don't want anyone else to be in power. I will kill you if I have to. I've done it before. And uh, Pip Torrens, we've seen him before in Poldark, another period drama, and Preacher. He was also in Star Wars The Force Awakens. So he's one of the uh, more seasoned actors in this show. And I think he would be a perfect pick for a potential big bad for season one. Yeah, and he's been in... Of course, I've only seen the first two episodes of Patrick Melrose, but he's in Patrick Melrose, The Crown. He's also in War and Peace, so that's going to be fun to watch. Ah. Um, he's also... got it, Like you said, he's in a lot of stuff. But he's also in Dorian Gray, which Ben Chaplin, who we just talked about, is also in Dorian Gray. I heard that film isn't that great, but I will probably watch it now just for them two. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, heard, I heard that too. <laughs> so it just seems like he's... Oh, and he's also in a TV show called Death and Nightingales, which Anne Skelly was also in. So it seems like he's worked with at least two of the cast members already, which we always joke that the, the BBC, third one further down the list. Yes, we always me and my friends always joke that the BBC has like five actors. So it makes sense <laughs> that at least some of the cast members have worked together before. But that's pretty cool, too. And like not only is it that the big he's not he's not just a man, he's a former general now peer he's lord masson like general of the british empire staunch unflappable and merciless he basically sums up in one character everything that was wrong with victorian england's yeah. personified the only problem with that is as i say it now he almost seems too obvious of a choice it almost feels like we're meant to hate him because he is so obviously dripping with evil would Joss be that obvious? But knowing Joss there's going to be something about him that isn't, you know? Uh, maybe it was some reason why he had to leave the army. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. That could work. Okay. Because you know. You've, you've won me I, back over. Because you know, I don't think Joss has ever created an obvious one-dimensional villain. True. You know, and I don't think they would spoil what that kind of twist is in a character description, you know? What if he's touched too? I was and the reason he's... just thinking that. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> the reason he's so anti-everything is because he's like, no, we, you know, we built the British Empire with guts and tea. I can't have this power coming in now and destroying everything. Yeah. Kind of self, self-loathing touch. It's a great character arc right there right. in three words. Moving on, we have Zachary Momo. I may have got that wrong. I'm sorry if I do. 
he will be playing Dr. Horatio Cousins, one of the few successful West Indian physicians in London. Married with a young son, Horatio's fortunes took a dark turn when he met Amalia and discovered his own abilities. The first male touched so far we've seen. Yeah. Zachary also doesn't have a huge portfolio, much like uh, Anne Skelly. He's one of the younger actors in the Nevers, but he's in the upcoming Twelfth Night and the Netflix miniseries Seven Seconds. What I did notice, which intrigued me, is he's also produced and directed a few things before. It would be interesting to see if he could, if he was going to produce and possibly direct episodes of The Nevers as well. It's not uncommon for actors, especially once you reach the kind of third, fourth season, to also direct an episode or two. Maybe even I've seen a few where they've written episodes. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a turn directing. That could be a lot of fun. And Joss always finds the perfect cast. And most of his cast, honestly, are unknowns at first. It, it's yeah. weird to think about now because they're all huge. But, <laughs> you know, most of the He time, gave a lot of people a lot of breaks. Exactly. And I love his character description. Like you said, he's the first male of the Nevers, we're assuming. And it's interesting that he's married with a son. So we're really going to feel for him already because... He has a family compared to some of the other characters. Mm. I'm not saying you need a family to feel for them. I'm just saying it's interesting that of course. he does. It, it adds a certain level of jeopardy to his yeah. arc that the others possibly don't have. Exactly. Which is always an interesting um, kind of angle to throw in. Oh, God. Joss, now, now I'm already picturing like his family's going to die. <laughs> I mean, I'd say probably 60% odds. <laughs> the wife doesn't make it to season three. That's pretty good. I'd idea. say maybe maybe ten percent chance the kid doesn't make it to the last season either. Because Joss is kind of mean, and HBO are super mean. Put them together, and yeah, like <laughs> I mean, don't get too attached to any of this cast because at least one of them's not making it to the end of the series. It'd be interesting, seeing as he's a doctor that's got powers. Do you think his abilities will be kind of um, medicinal, shall we say, in nature? Do you think they're going to have the powers kind of echoing who the characters are? Or do you think they'll throw a little juxtaposition in, for instance, you know, he's a doctor whose power is he can blow things up that he touches? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Because part of me doesn't want it does want it to be the opposite. The other part of me loves this idea of a Victorian doctor having the power to heal people. It's almost like Dr. John Watson, but he's a superhero. So oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be so cool. So I, I, oh. I'm not really sure which one I want more, but I kind of, like, I love both ideas. It's right. <sighs> I have a distinct suspicion. His power won't even this won't be medicinal. And I'll, because I have a distinct suspicion that the healing power will go to a character that's a little later in the list okay. because Joss is an arsehole and that's the kind of thing he'll do. <laughs> I'll tell you the character when we get to them. <laughs> Speaking of new characters, Amy Manson is playing a character simply known as Malady. Great name. Committed by her husband and genuinely unstable, she's been warped by a power she can't understand and tortured by doctors intent on finding its source. 
no word yet on what those powers may be, but my betting is either telekinesis, telepathy, or the gift of prophecy. Amy Manson was seen before in Torchwood and the amazing and much missed Being Human. She was she was fantastic on. I'm very, very excited for that character because I'm very excited for that actress to be in this, especially playing the kind of tortured waif type character that she's playing. I think she's going to absolutely nail that and it's going to be stupendous. I feel like there's always, not always, but usually a character in Joss Whedon's works that is a little mentally not there and i tend to absolutely love and obsess over those characters um so already just by this list she seems like she's gonna be my personal favorite um yeah it she's it sounds very river for me in the best way possible Mm. and i'm here for it river mixed with a little bit of drusilla yes and like come on if you say that like how could i not love that character that's a great combination. I can't fault you. But what I, what I will note, so far we have three of what I'm assuming will form the core of the Nevers. And those characters are named True, Penance, and Malady. Those are some loaded names. Like Those are not simple, easy names. Those are names that tell stories. And I cannot wait to hear the stories they tell. It's going to be awesome. I'm very much, and I, I'm already picturing some really the fact that she's been kind of um, committed and sort of tested on by these doctors. I have a distinct suspicion she may not appear till the second, maybe third episode, or like, well, she may not join the rest of the cast until later on in the series. And I'm seeing lots of like really grim poorly lit doctor's surgeries with kind of uncovered hanging bulbs and bare marble tables and unspeakable implements and this is hbo so you know they're going to really lean into the horror next up we have rochelle neal who is playing annie carby aka bonfire Annie is a career criminal who's landed the ability to control fire and is happy to hire it out. Will work for anyone, but trusts only herself. I'm thinking she's going to be kind of a not-quite-hero, not-quite-villain. Think kind of season three onwards Spike, or four onwards Faith. Kind of not a full ally per se, but not totally an enemy either. Kind of works with the Nevers when she wants to, but isn't above blowing them up and running away with all the money. Uh, We saw Rochelle in episodes, which she was great in, and we will be seeing her soon in the possibly great, but probably a bit poo, Terminator Dark Fate. (laughs) I'm quite worried about. But I'm sure she'll be fantastic in it, so that's one good thing. Again, really cool to cast someone that's up and coming. Um, I even hate using the term unknowns because it is so hard as an actor to even land one big job. So the fact that mm. she has, like, clearly she's amazing, you know, but again, mm. they're, they're casting people in such a huge thing, giving them a chance and a chance to show the world how great they are. And yeah, I mean, AKA bonfire, like how cool does this character sound? I'm definitely with you. I like the idea that, you know, she's like this this fire witch and she's not 
you know particularly a, a nice character but they spe they make a point of specifying she's not cruel yeah she's not a bad person she's just been dealt a pretty shit hand so far and it's just trying to kind of power through with the tools she's been given so i have a distinct suspicion she'll probably be more of a spike arc than a faith arc yeah. in that she'll start out kind of clashing with the nevers but when she realizes that they've got her back and that they're not trying to screw her over she'll slowly pardon the pun warm to them <laughs> i love it i think she's gonna have a... <laughs> i'm pretty sure i've said this now for every character so far but i have a distinct suspicion bonfire is gonna have a great arc yeah i'm i'm, I'm here for bonfire yes so that's I. gonna be good another character i'm particularly excited for as i am for all of them eleanor tomlinson who is playing Mary Brighton. Described as gentle, but surprisingly resilient, Mary pursued her dreams of singing on stage. She will be great, but not how she expects. People will know Eleanor Thompson for playing the wife whose name I've just completely blanked on from Poldark. She was amazing in that show. She was actually the only, she was the only reason I stuck with that show. <laughs> Second Poldark alumni in The Nevers. And she's also going to be in the upcoming War of the Worlds, which just so happens to be another Victorian era set sci-fi. Interesting. So that could be quite interesting. But that's a mini-series, so it shouldn't step on any toes. But yeah, it's quite interesting. They are getting in a lot of actors that seem comfortable in both period dramas and sci-fi. Like they're not fucking about with this casting yeah. they're not particularly going for huge names but they're going for people that are proven to be good in the era and in the genre yeah. you can't fault that yeah that's a great point and, and she was also in the illusionist alice in wonderland and colette recently with kira knightley um so like you said very much into that time period and i always joke with my sister that there's just certain actors that look and feel like they should be in science fiction or genre type things. Like, I don't know why. I don't know if it's people's like facial structures or acting mannerisms or whatever it is, but um, it, it just seems like not that actors get typecast per se, but something about them, maybe it's their energy, something about them just lends to the same type of genre in a good way. So it definitely mm. seems like she's an example of this she, she's got a very kind of classic look to her the moment imdb died i saw pictures oh i remember her now she's amazing yeah. and i can 100 percent unfailingly see her as a gentle but surprisingly resilient singer in the victorian era i can picture her now on the stage like i can see it in my mind's eye it's gonna be amazing and she's going to absolutely kill that role because yeah yeah it's, it's playing perfectly into her wheelhouse and it's going to be fantastic also, and i love her i love that she's a singer i mean i'm a singer and a performer mm. as well so obviously i'm a little biased but another, <laughs> another part of her description a disappointing career and a broken engagement haven't diminished her spirit like if that's not feminist i don't know what is like i i love that sentence and she's going mm. to be great, but she's going to be very surprised how. Um, I love the idea of you have this dream your entire life and then bad things happen or it just doesn't come true like you thought it would. But that doesn't mean your life is over and it doesn't mean something else 
won't come along in a way you won't even think about and yeah i don't know just just her arc already in this character description is very important to me and i think it will speak to a lot of people anyone that has like mm. a dream and things aren't going the way they thought and that's an amazing character so i'm getting very distinct fred vibes yes. from her description because about fred like she seemed so kind of gentle and waif-like but there was pure steel in that backbone yes. like she survived in a demon dimension yes. all on her own for all those years like she was not someone to mess with and i think i have a distinct suspicion the exact same is true of Ms. mary brighton oh i don't know why i get the feeling her, her powers will definitely be based around her voice oh, that's a given that'd be so cool the question is will they go for the more kind of uh Black Bolt, Banshee-esque, damaging screams. Or, my particular choice, is she going to be a siren? Be kind so of hypnotic singing. Cool. I know. Oh. It, I mean, it, it only occurred to me when I read that character description. The fact that they're saying that like she will be great, but not the way she expects. It's like, I, I don't know, I have a feeling that, that singing is clearly going to be important, but not as a singer. I think her powers will be based around her voice, which leads me to either destructive screams, but eh, you can't really be great with destructive screams. Just just ask the Inhumans show. But hypnotic speech and hypnotic singing, like you, I could definitely see her achieving great things with that. And that's definitely going to be a lot of fun. There's so much you can do with that character. Yes. And I think she's definitely going to be kind of the... Uh, the the flag wielder or that's not that's not the right word flag bearer <laughs> ha, that's the one i think she's gonna be kind of the flag bearer for the show kind of the yeah very much looking forward to her I love it. now this next character i didn't recognize the name until i imdb'd and i'm now so so excited for this dennis o'hare he will be playing Dr. Edmund Haig, a gifted American surgeon who uses his skills in the coldest, most brutal way possible. But it's all in the name of progress. Why, hello there, Dr. Frankenstein. I know, right? You may recognize the name Dennis O'Hare, but if you're like me and you don't, he played Russell in True Blood, who was one of the standout characters yes, in that show. Yes. He was absolutely fantastic and based on the description for that character i can see they're taking a very similar path and it's it's, it's he's perfect at that and it's going to be so good he was also more recently in this is us which is a show i had to stop watching because <laughs> i was dangerously dehydrated after every single freaking episode <laughs> my doctor told me i had to stop watching or start using a saline drip whenever i watched it Damn. so i just stopped yeah, such a good show. But yeah, he is going to be... I have a feeling he's going to be possibly a kind of mid-boss type character. Not quite the big bad, but I think he'll be kind of... He'll be sort of the Loki to the Nevers Avengers. He'll be the reason they have to eventually come together and become a unit and take him down. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with Frankenstein. My sister and I used to have a <laughs> Frankenstein podcast... Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, so, but I love the fact that he's an American surgeon. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a, an American surgeon in Victorian era London. That's fascinating. 
and again already provides a lot of conflict i wonder yeah if his style clashes with london doctors or i don't know that's really interesting the fact he's described as like he uses his skills in the coldest most brutal way possible like that just that screams conflict yes mm. it's all in the name of progress <laughs> nice but i had a i had a distinct suspicion with the, with the two doctors um i was saying earlier with the uh, horatio cousins i have a feeling he won't get the healing power because uh. i just have a distinct suspicion that dr edmund haig might and that the reason he's such an amazing gifted surgeon is because he literally has magic hands yeah but he, he kind of uses that for nefarious ends kind of oh. stitching people together in bits just to see if he can get them to come back to life do you think they'll be working in the same hospital? I know, like, the fact that there's two doctors, like, they have to... Mm. Their arcs and their stories have to come together. And that would be awesome if they worked in the same hospital, because that's how he could even find out about the Nevers, and because Horatio is obviously involved with the Nevers, so that's how mm. he could find out about them. Definitely possible. I think that's that's a solid arc right there. Like, I would, I would 100% be there for that. Oh. So good. So good. <laughs> and yeah, he was he was just absolutely fantastic, borderline sociopathic as Russell in True Blood. If he can bring even half that kind of yes. dark charisma to this, it's going to be amazing. Yes. And I forget sometimes that True Blood was an HBO show, so I wonder yep. if that had anything to do with this casting. But regardless, I'm really yeah. happy about it. He's going to be a lot of fun. I have a feeling he'll be the character we all love to hate. Yes. Like, you want to hate him because he seems like a bit of a bastard. But at the same time, he's just, like, so cool. You sort of can't. <laughs> and again, it's much like Russell in True Blood or Eric in True Blood. Exactly. And again, I'm here for all of these men that are villains. Because it seems like a lot of the women characters are also not 100% heroes. So... Mm. And now I'm afraid we come to our last casting for the day. But it is by every means the one I am the most excited for. Nick fucking Frost. <laughs> yes! He will be playing Declan Oren, a.k.a. the Beggar King. Described as charismatic and brutal, Declan runs or has a piece of most of the low-level criminal activity in the city. Just... Okay, um... Nick Frost is most well known for his work with Simon Pegg on shows like Spaced or movies like the Amazing Cornetto Trilogy. Yes. Uh, most recently, he absolutely stole the show in AMC's Gone But Not Forgotten Into the Badlands, which, while it wasn't Victorian, it was very steampunk. So it, I think it could still work quite, it's still kind of, it's close enough to how the Nevers will be thematically that it counts as experience. But yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of that actor. And I think this character will be a bit of a stretch for him because he's usually he's the kind of funny, warm, sarcastic sidekick playing a charismatic yet brutal low-level crime boss. That's going to be a bit of a stretch, but I think it could be an absolute standout role for him yeah i've i've only seen him in the cornetto trilogy so i need to watch more of his work um 
But I, so I feel like Joss Whedon and Edgar Wright are really good friends. So maybe that's how this casting even came about. But I'm very happy about it because it's very surprising. Nick Frost just seems like a Whedon-y actor. Like I'm surprised mm. they haven't worked together before. And, and, and I'm also happy that there is a character like this because I feel like he could help the Nevers if they need any information coming from the criminal underworld. So, mm. plot-wise, that's a very good character to have. I have a distinct suspicion he will be the character that first connects Amalia and Penance with Bonfire. Yeah. I mean, Bonfire, career criminal that can control fire. The Beggar King is going to know about that. Exactly. And I imagine when Amalia and penance come and like you know we, we need kind of be a, a bodyguard or a bit of information and he's like oh well i happen to know just the person right my old friend bonfire she's awesome right and and potentially even malady um because some of her description was she now lives underground runs a gang is and is on an infamous murder spree which sounds awesome um so could... <laughs> how did we skip over that ridiculously <laughs> right? cool part right? when you're talking about her <laughs> my bad my bad <laughs> so i definitely yeah. think he could definitely connect bonfire and malady as well to the nevers very much so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch but yeah i would have never guessed nick frost would be in this so this is awesome yeah, it's crazy. Like, I mean, he went from Into the Badlands to uh, Fighting with My Family, the uh, biopic on Paige from WWE. And I assumed he would then lie low for a bit, but nope, he jumped straight into an ongoing Joss Whedon written and directed HBO sci-fi drama. Like, he's just scaling ever upwards. This is going to be huge for him, and I cannot wait, because he so deserves it. He was amazing in Into the Badlands, and I was so sad when that show got cancelled. But I will happily trade Into the Badlands <laughs> for him being in the Nevers. Oh, again, it just sounds like a dream, like him being in a Joss Whedon project, but it's this oh. one. And it just, yeah, I mean, it, it might stretch his acting abilities, but I feel like it's going to happen to everyone here in the best way possible. So I'm really mm. excited to see them be challenged. Like that's a that's a good thing. I feel like every actor wants to be challenged. So definitely. Yeah, Nick Frost. So exciting. Like I absolutely lost it when it was confirmed that he was going to be in this show. I was like, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> I, I immediately I had to immediately write up a blog for the website hbothenevers.com. Feel free to go and read it anytime. I've got to say that is an absolutely ridiculous cast list. There's so many amazing names there. And you know, obviously when, I'm sure it's, it was the same for you, Gina, when I first heard Joss Whedon making a new show, I was immediately hyped. Victorian sci-fi drama? Sure, why not? Dial it up to, you know, 9, 10. But now, seeing the cast, like, there's so many shows that have had great casts, but have been let down by shit writing or have had great writing but have been let down by possibly slightly weak performances but now to know that we've got Joss Whedon helming a show it's on HBO 
and we've got what looks to be an incredibly strong cast with proven period acting skills proven sci-fi skills proven drama proven comedy proven action this show literally has everything required to be gold yeah if we ever had even an ounce of fear that it won't live up to our expectations like this just shattered them um oh yeah and not only sure. is the cast amazing but all of the character descriptions are great mm. and i feel like the more villainy ones are feel a little more one-dimensional but i feel like that's going to be for a reason and yeah we're somehow very much so we're somehow gonna love them like we always love joss whedon e villain so i am here for that and i remember one of the writers saying that the villains are charismatic so give me <laughs> mm, you gotta love a charismatic villain yeah because joss... i do find it quite interesting the kind of the the uh the expected kind of borderline meme idea that you have the all these american dramas and then you have the token english guy that turns out to be the villain yes. and now you've got an american drama with an english cast and an american villain yes hey we flipped it around exactly see although the, i still maintain that the nevers are already <laughs> breaking down stereotypes although to be fair we do still have uh lord masson who i do believe will be the big villain of the series but yeah, I'm, I'm more excited, to be honest. I think uh, Masson will be the season villain, but I have a distinct suspicion Dr. Edmund Haig will be a recurring, far more memorable villain. Yes, and I would... This probably won't happen, but I would also love if they somehow met or came together or something. They are very far removed from each other when it comes to their profession, so I don't know if that will happen, but that could also be something that's interesting. To be fair, it's Victorian era. He's has every chance he could be injured and then goes to the best surgeon in the city. And I mean, back in day, doctors were far, far better treated than they are today. So, I mean, a gifted American surgeon, he'd probably be quite rich. He could easily rub shoulders with peers. Masson's the money and Haig is kind of the, the blade. Haig's the scalpel and Masson's the hand holding it. See, oh. I just love I love the idea of villains working together, um, mm. and I think Joss does that brilliantly. My favorite example is Angelus and Drusilla, and kind of Spike. Um, Spike obviously wasn't happy about it, but I, I just it it, <laughs> it it kind of makes you care about them a little bit more because they have ties to someone else. I feel like mm. these villains seem really strong, though. So they might not need that, but I just would personally like to see that. Uh, one trope I would really hope Whedon avoids, and he probably will because he tends to try and avoid these things, and, except when he creates them, <laughs> is in certain shows of you know a medium quality, you'll have the allies and the heroes and like the protagonists that are all best friends and work together and have amazing teamwork, and they're up against the villains that are equally as powerful and you know, you know have matching skills but are let down by their infighting and constant sniping at each other and lack right. of teamwork and this whole kind of yeah teamwork will win the day it annoys me that it's always like that yes. i would much rather have what this could potentially be kind of that our, our protagonists have a sort of shaky alliance through money and requirements while our antagonists 
are more unified in their purpose. And then like the, the, that way, that it won't just be a question of, our oh, teamwork all in the day. The protagonists will actually have to really work and dig deep and find something more to allow them to overcome the power and the teamwork of this seemingly unassailable villain kind of cooperative, which makes for a far better viewing, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. It's almost the opposite of that trope. Like, if anything, the heroes are the ones that are maybe arguing or not mm. coming together, but then the antagonists mm. do. So that's... It's just a different spin on things, and yeah. that's always a good thing. Yes. Oh, so many, like, we already have episode ideas and arc ideas and conflicts just by these character descriptions. So we already talked about the writer's room. They're phenomenal. Mm. Could you imagine just looking at these characters, what they came up with? It's going to be insane. They've got a phenomenal, phenomenal writer's room, a phenomenal cast, amazing setting. I would, I would love to sort of sit in on, even just on, on a script read, just to see the amazing chemistry between the writers and the cast. Yes. And, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and there's so many articles of like, what is HBO's new Game of Thrones? And we've always said from the beginning of this podcast that it's easily the Nevers. But I hope, yep. I hope people that have read the new articles today and that have listened to this podcast really start thinking about the fact that the nevers is going to be the new game of thrones in the best way possible <laughs> hopefully slightly less problematic yes as long as it's better than season eight we're fine there you go i think this has all the potential to be not just to be the next game of thrones or the next Buffy, or, oh, it's just Whedon's next project. I think it has everything required now to just be an amazing show in and of itself. Standing yes. on its own feet, not as the new HBO drama, not as the new Joss Whedon project, not as the next Game of Thrones, just as The Nevers, an entertainment juggernaut with amazing writing, a fantastic cast, hopefully some good special effects because that would really kill things <laughs> and fingers crossed little to no controversy because that would not be good yeah and, well, and i do love a little bit of controversy <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a squidge <laughs> and so far with everything we've talked about and everything we've seen so far it seems like it will be its own thing and, and one day people are going to be comparing this show like oh what's going to be the new nevers and i've got to say like while i'm sure we were all a little surprised to only see one Whedon alum join the nevers i do think that was actually quite a solid choice because it does sort of seem like he's trying to make this stand on its own and having a fresh cast will definitely help with that and I completely agree. And I also think they could definitely have cameos. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? <laughs> so for sure, for not sure. all hope is lost. Well, I, st I still say one of Nathan Fillion's best roles was as the absolutely terrifying Caleb. Oh, my God, yes. So I would love to see him. I'd love, I'd love to see him and Alan Tudyk oh my God. playing a kind of villainous duo. Yes, Please. Just no jokes, no cracks, just pure evil start to inevitable end. Why have I never thought of this and why do I need this right now? 
<laughs> I know. Maybe throw Amy Acker in as well oh to God. finish the tri the trio, kind of an unholy trinity. She's like she's very under underrated in her villainous acting yes. skills. Everyone remembers, like, oh, she was so great as Fred, and yeah, she was really good as uh, the mum whose name I've forgotten in The Gifted. But people forget how fantastic she was in the last season of Dollhouse. Oh shit, no, sorry. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I mean, uh, that other thing she was That's in. Illyria. Yes, 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 that. That's what I meant. Sorry. Angel oh, no, Illyria. Actually, that gets me really excited to keep watching. I mean, I didn't need a reason to keep watching Dollhouse, but I am very intrigued. I noticed something the other day. The length of time a Joss Whedon show runs is inversely proportional to how kind of, um, not complex, but how kind of, yeah, let's go with complex the show is. Like, Buffy was fantastic. Landmark, groundbreaking show. But the concept is relatively simple. Girl fights monsters, seven seasons, fantastic. Angel, slightly more complex. There's, you know, there's, there's the whole kind of Wolfram and Heart thing comes in. It's still relatively simple, but there's a, there's a little bit of a twist to it. Four seasons. Slightly slightly more complex, slightly shorter run. Dollhouse. Sci-fi nonsense. People that have alternate personalities pasted over themselves. And there's, there's a, a bit of kind of hints of the technological singularity in there. Two seasons. Cowboys in space, and there's sort of aliens and government overwatch. One season, fuck you. <laughs> Every time he tries to get a bit more kind of imaginative and a bit more kind of every time he lets himself off the leash a little bit, the network seems to just reel him in a little bit stronger. And just looking at these character descriptions and looking at the world he's trying to create here, this is pro possibly, I just remember the word I was looking for, thank God. This is possibly his most ambitious, which is the word I was searching for, his most ambitious show yet, which really worries me because when Joss Whedon gets ambitious, Networks get worried and they get trigger happy with their cancellations. Thankfully, HBO are legends and have already were at least guaranteed one full season. That's locked in and we're fine with that. But I'm hoping that the network and the audience really kind of support this show because this is ambition on screen and we need to reward creators that get ambitious and try to push the envelope and try to give people things they haven't seen before rather than you know what we have now he deserves a real like un kind of unqualified win just no ifs no buts just pure whedon win and this could really be that Sadly, we're going to have to wait till like the end of next year to find out. So that's going to be a fun wait. But I think it's best we wrap up this special edition there because we're reaching the point of rambling and it's getting a little bit crazy. But I hope you've enjoyed this introduction to the cast that we will hopefully be spending the next five or so years with, if not more. If you wish to hear more, you can find us at HBO The Nevers. Dot com. We can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. at HBO The Nevers. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, all your usual podcast haunts. 
we're there and we will be there every other week until the nevers comes out and then for the course of the season uh i don't have social media because uh gina i know you do though would you like to do your thing <laughs> yes and i agree social media is the worst but uh, my <laughs> my twitter name is gina gemini so it's spelled g-i-n-a-g-e-m-e-n-i feel free to tweet me geek out about the nevers geek out about anything really that's where to find me social media is the definition of necessary evil but we will call it there and i will hopefully see you in about a week for the next episode of the nevers podcast i don't know how to stop the recording oh yeah the, the button that says stop recording that'll do it this episode of the nevers podcast was produced and edited by matthew yamanashi we are more than just a podcast we're a fan community you can keep up to date on The Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button.